it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks, well, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 90. Tonight, we have a special guest back from a very popular episode 38. We have a full-time microcap investor, Maj, who is the co-founder of geoinvesting.com. And he's going to talk to us about his special brand of investing. And he's a really smart dude, and he's got some great insights for us. So why don't we go ahead and start chatting a little bit about what you wanted to talk about tonight, Maj? Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to appreciate the opportunity and I want to congratulate you on the success you're having with your podcast. It's, I think we've, it's been over a year since we chatted and it's really good to see you're coming along, educating investors and young investors and in how to navigate the market. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, we talked off air before we started to record this, how we just hit a million downloads today. So I'm going to be popping a bottle of champagne after this. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully everybody is if we can help help them uh with this podcast with a few yeah let's do it on how to so, uh, make some money in the stock market <laughs> something uh really thought it was really good timing for us you had reached out and told us about some of the research you were doing about one of the sec forms called the form four so we just did last week's episode on the 10K, and uh, there's obviously a lot of different reports and files that, that these companies have to file. I don't think as to be a successful investor, you need to necessarily be an expert on every little detail, every little legal kind of term, but there are some things you can pull out from some of these general forms that are freely available online. And you, you talked about the Form 4 
as being one of those that, that you've really been researching and, and you can teach us some good stuff on. So can you talk about the Form 4 a little bit and tell us how we can use it to, to better educate ourselves about stocks? Actually, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, it, just to, like my add, the SEC documents are a great place to search for tidbits of information that are omitted from press releases and other easy places to find information. Uh, and, you know, to f- find information the market hasn't found yet. So that's a great that you're, you're starting to really dig into that. Um, we, we kind of, we call that information arbitrage, you know, find this free public information uh, that investors either aren't looking for, or maybe too lazy to look for, or they just don't know how to look for it. And I think form fours is one of those things. So form fours, basically um, track the buy and sell transactions by management, employees, board of directors, and 10% owners of stocks. I call that MEBO, M-E-B-O for short. And um, it's a great way to really see what management teams are betting on their stocks to go up, maybe what management teams are betting on them to go down or cashing in. Um, and you know we're you know we're just looking for clues in these file in these form four filings um, to that end, and it's a great it's a great place um, to really um, get some confidence in your in your investment decisions, especially like right, right now when the market's so volatile. Um, when we looked at September, October, November, December, when the market was falling apart, we were using these form four filings to see what companies. We're really uh, when the when the stocks were going down, we're telling us, hey, that the market's overreacting, and it, and during that period of time, I really saw an acceleration of management teams going in there and buying their own stocks, which basically conflicted with what the media was talking about. How we're going to recession, the world is ending. Well, while they're and while Kramer's telling you know um, his viewership that he's investing, he's talking to his big cap companies who are telling them the world's ending. Well, while that's going on, all these uh, microcap companies we were following were buying stock. And that was an interesting clue. So it's a, it just helps you. It's another tool to help an investor help you gain confidence um, while markets are you know, turbulent or volatile. And, you know, it's, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily... Um, these filings aren't necessarily the easiest things to understand sometimes from, from a, from a face value. There's certain codes that are associated with the transactions. And if you don't understand the codes, you're not necessarily going to understand um, some of the relevance of of these filings. And um, so that's what we do. Uh, We're always looking at these filings. We have it. We, we've, developed an internal product actually, which helps us kind of track what's going on in these filings in real real time. And then uh, we sometimes we make investment decisions based on that. And then we, we bring these findings to our premium members and help and help them understand how to use these filings. So, you know, to give you an example, there's a, um, when you go to the sec.gov, when you type in a symbol, you go to this, you see this filing list and you won't see the form four filings. That's the first just kind of, you know, frustrating thing for an investor. Like, you don't, you might not know where to find these insider filings. And when you go to sec.gov, you'll see a, 
a um, a tab there where we'll say ownership, ec- include or exclude or only. And you have to know to have to click the right selection there to see these form four filings. So that's that's the first thing you need to do. And then the real difficult part about this is these codes I alluded to earlier. Here and here's the key. Um, and now, and this is a great saying by Peter Lynch. He said, you know, um, insiders in management teams will sell their stocks for a variety of reasons or shares in their stocks for a variety of reasons, but they'll buy them for only one. They think the stocks can go up. So we need to see which transactions insiders are making are high conviction transactions. And this is important because the, the, the data supports following in the footsteps of insiders. Um, basically, the stats show that if you do that, if you follow what they're doing, you can basically beat the market by between 7 and 11% annually. So that's significant over time. Now, the really- question, question for you, Maj. Sure. So these Form 4, just as a recap real quick, these are basically we're talking about insiders. So this could be board of directors, correct? Yes, it can be um, a management, um, employees, board of directors, or even 10% owners, like large shareholders who aren't necessarily part of the management team. Okay. So what, what, what requires somebody that they need to form to file this form? Is it like they're a certain net worth? They have a certain amount of shares? Like how does that? Now, if you're actually, if you're a employee or a director or in any capacity, if you buy one, I mean, I don't know necessarily exactly, but I think it's, if you, if you are transacting in that stock, um, you know, you need to file these form fours. Um, I don't necessarily know there's, there might be a, le- a threshold for different positions in the company. Like if you're an employee, versus management versus board of directors. That's a good question. It's something I should look into. But you know, generally speaking, if you're an insider in any capacity, um, you need to file these form fours when you're when you're transacting in the stock. I would I would just uh assume that the ones that pull up on SCC.gov are probably gonna be the the higher percentage type form fours anyway. I mean I've I've kind of dabbled with it a little bit and i know like when i pulled them up it was people who you're reading about in the annual report like the kind of like the big dogs these guys who have uh big chunks of of stock ownership of these businesses so i'm sure there's an easy way that you can kind of filter and get the important form fours versus ones that are just you know ones that are like onesies or twosies so i guess my next question about this is Inside the form four itself, does is it telling you how much? Like, let's it, it's per person, right? There's like there's a form four per person per whatever transaction they're doing. Yeah, so a form four, you know, will disclose uh, the the, the the person's name, position at the company, or if he's a ten percent, he or she is a ten percent owner in the company, and it'll also disclose how they bought, you know, how they came up. Let's say, let's just use, for example, it's an increase in the position. Uh, how that individual came, came through uh, getting those shares. And this is really important. As an investor, 
you really want to focus on the transactions where management is directly buying stock in the open market or through some private transaction, like putting their own money in the game, skin the game, as opposed to shares being acquired through options or awards or grants, these kind of things, because that's free shares really. And, and that's, that's, that's what's really the most important. So what we do, we, we really want to follow the management teams who are actually putting their money into the company. And those are the significant form fours we're looking for. And these form fours will also tell you, um, now there's codes associated with the transaction. And so there's, there's some, there's, there are codes that basically let you know, okay, this was an option or this was an award, this was a grant, or this was some um, indirect purchase of this indirect purchase of the stock. Or, or they got it through some, you know, free free means through an option or a grant or something like that. Um, and there's there's, trans, there's codes that let you know if it was a direct purchase or a direct, a direct sale, for example. The Form 4 will also tell you how much money was spent, how many shares were bought, and also the total position the insider has taking into account the new transaction. Okay, gotcha. That makes that makes a lot of sense. So there's there's definitely enough data there where you can make these. You know, you have to be smart about it, obviously, and kind of compare before and afters and, and things of that nature. But obviously, I think it's kind of can be unsays if you're seeing a lot of these insiders and they're buying a lot of these shares with their own money, like you said, outside of options or grants or anything. That is a very bullish signal because somebody who's inside the business, they're, they're dealing with this in the day to day. They're obviously seeing things that we can't see as far away investors. And it can be a nice kind of, uh, signal to us that, Hey, here's, here's a, here's a case where maybe I already like this stock. This is just another reason to like it. Yeah. And it helps build your confidence. And that's what we try and what we need as investors to continue to build our confidence in our decisions. And okay, so how about like selling wise? Because I'll give an example. I use this free website. It's called finviz.com. It's a screener. Mm-hmm. They don't go super in depth, obviously, like a form four would, but they have insider transactions and they kind of highlight here's some buys, here's some sells, and and like option exercises, and it shows some of the the big mm-hmm. big people in the corporation. Uh, is there a way like? Somebody kind of coming in and not really understanding much about these form fours. Is there a way where they can differentiate somebody selling? Like, is that like a code thing where maybe they're selling significant positions that aren't related to, Hey, I'm just trying to cash out this option. And can they use that as a signal kind of in the same way that you can use a buying signal to be bullish? Can they use like certain selling signal to kind of be bearish on the stock? Yeah, I don't, I'm mainly looking at the insider buying because, you know, back to that statement with Peter Lynch, insiders will sell stock for a number of reasons, but they buy it for only one to get stock to go up. I find it more useful, you know, to, to look at the indicator as a bullish indicator, not necessarily as a bearish indicator. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you have an example of, of one that you used recently where you saw, a certain amount of buying and that really kind of clued you into, Hey, uh, this could be a stock I'm, I'm even more interested in. And then it ended up going higher. 
Funny you should ask. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, there's a, I have a lot of case studies um, that we've highlighted through genome investing, basically, um, on that point. So, and what's interesting, too, because there's a lot less interest these days in the microcap universe, the delay to, the, to these positive developments in the form for kind of um, transactions is just greater than ever. So you have a lot of time to follow the insiders and, you know, get some decent, buy some stock at some decent prices before the market even notices what's going on. I'll give you a great example. And, and before you even get to that, there's something, these form fours, when you're looking at them, you can go really deep into the form fours past the first page you see in, see in the sec.gov uh, to really dig in, into the, the transaction history of the actual insider. You know, one thing we like to look at, for example, is if we're seeing a significant transaction by an insider, we like to see, okay, when was the last time this insider might have bought stock? And if we see a clue, like this is the first time, we got, hold on, I got a train coming here. <laughs> As a finance nerd, you would assume that I have my money game all together. Well, shocker, I didn't. Until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving the product. They release updates every two weeks and allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Does that have money in it? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> That's a three-way split, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, there was this one company. I'll give you a few companies here, but there was one. It was a symbol was EVK. Everglory, I think is the name. And the stock was around, I want to say, three bucks maybe. And we had noticed, and it's a reverse merger China company. 
uh, reverse merger um, that went public on the U.S., but they're a China-based company. And that's just an area of the market that we have not invested in a long time because there's a lot of fraud there. And that's a topic for another case study. I mean, another um, podcast, you guys. But one thing we noticed was that the CEO purchased a, a huge amount of stock. And because we knew how to use, utilize the form fours, we said, oh, we were curious. Okay, when was the last time he bought stock? And he hadn't bought stock in several years. It was his first big purchase. And it was one of those things where the market didn't pick up on it right away. And the stock, I think, within a couple of weeks, you know, went to four bucks. It was a, you know, a pretty quick swing trade if you wanted to utilize it that way. So that's just that's one example. Um, another example was is a company stock symbol is BXC, and this is a stock that is a building a building material company or building supply company. And we had been covering the stock for some time. I think this is in 2016 when we first started covering the stock, and they were going through a restructuring. The stock was maybe you know nine ten bucks at a time. And the stock really wasn't doing much. It, you know, it was going up and down as the company was in, in a really tight range while the company was going through restructuring to sell assets, um, to pay down its debt, and get back on track again. And we really liked where management was heading. But for about a year and a half or so, we know that there was no insider buying going on at the company. And all of a sudden, out of the blue... I think it was toward the end of 2017, the company did an offering. The stock was around nine bucks. The, the company did an offering. Um, uh, basically, some, this is a great example because you asked about earlier about how do you interpret insider selling versus insider buying. So what was going on here was there was a, a large institutional shareholder who owned about 50% of the stock and wanted to get out. So... That's a large chunk of stock they had to sell relative to the size of the com- market cap of the company. So there were, they, they um, did an off. The company did a off, basically organized an offering so that the large shareholder could sell its stock in an offering and it ended up pricing at $7 a share, which was significantly below where the company was trading. Stock was trading at the time. After that occurred, then we saw, we noticed insiders started buying stock, actual like, you know, I think the CFO bought some stock and some other directors. So we saw that as a very bullish sign. So the, and to, to make a long story short, a couple months later, the stock went to hit, I think, 45 bucks a share pretty quickly uh, when some things that got cataloged. The, the company made an acquisition that was transformative. So that was a situation where, okay, a large institutional shareholder sold a big chunk of stock. We could have looked at that as a negative thing, but we chose to look at the insider buying as a positive thing because we had been known that the, this, this management team had not bought any stock in two, three years, and all of a sudden they're buying stock. So that, that was a great clue to add to our position that we already had and basically increase our confidence in holding that company. And it was, it was a really great win for us. And Hopefully, some the members at Geo who might have had that too. <laughs> That's funny. That's literally like an, a perfect example, uh, just like you said, based on what I was asking you earlier. Get the differentiation there. Yeah, and there's a another great case study, and this is this 
this is a great case study to help um, understand how this looking at insider buying can help increase confidence in times of trouble. The stock symbol is REPR. Um, and now I got to disclose, I, I own both these stocks and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not an investment advisor. I'm not saying, you know, we should, anyone should go out and buy these stocks, but I am long these companies just to get that, um, put that on the record there. So REPR is a stock I, uh, I owned since actually 2007 and it's a medical device company that I was really attracted to. And I think I bought it originally like around maybe 10 or 12 cents. And um, I think it was around 2015, I believe. Stock was, you know, printing 40 cents, 50 cents. It was, it had, it was finally making a move. Then they had this FDA, FDA problem. Um, they, had, they received a warning letter from the FDA regarding their, F, their medical device. And the stock, you know, plummeted into the, I think, low 20s at one point. So we just didn't know what to do here. We still believed in the product. We wanted to believe the, comp- the company when they were saying, hey, they're taking care of this and going to resolve this issues with the FDA. But, we, you know, we, we needed to see something more to help us with our confidence level here. And we noticed then that this activist investor who would have been involved with the company uh, Joe Manco was his name, and he was he's part of a, a fund called Horton Capital Management. Started buying a stock, and at that time he was only an investor; he wasn't on the board or anything or any part, any kind of capacity with a company like that in management capacity or director capacity. Like, okay, why is he buying? But why is he still? Why is this guy buying stock in the midst of this turmoil going on? Because this could be a zero potentially if the FDA came back and. Um, drop the hammer. Then we, we and he was constantly buying around, you know, twenty five cents, thirty cents, thirty. It was it was pushing the stock up himself. He was a lot of the, some days maybe only the the only volume there. Then um, Mr. Mango um, joined the board, so now he's in the board and keeps on buying stock. So the stock today is a buck fifty. Um, I think he hit a buck seventy not too long ago, and he's still buying stock up here. So that was a great example of follow, you know, following an insider, just gaining confidence that hey, we made the right decision. This guy's buying stock, so we're gonna stick. We're gonna stick with this, and it worked out well for us. So just another example. Yeah, those are those are great. Um, obviously, some big moves in in some of those stocks, and I think when you playing and kind of invest in in that space in the micro cap space um, you can get a lot more movement as far as the price volatility and little little events i mean not to say like an fda type deal for a company of that size isn't like a huge i i, I obviously don't know the story behind it but i'm sure there was a lot of uh potential kind of things that could have come, come out of it that could have been really negative, but obviously it, it really worked out. So, you know, that all being said, Dave and I obviously have a, a very different, very different, but similar kind of approach to the way that we look at the stock market. We both personally don't go in any sort of micro cap stocks ourselves. Um, knowing that the price can kind of move a lot and, and you can get these huge gains, and also huge losses from being in stocks like this. 
how do you how do you kind of structure a portfolio and is it any different than kind of the standard portfolio advice so as an example i think one of the most common portfolio for somebody picking individual stocks a very common diversification strategy would be 15 to 20 stocks um, anywhere from a 5 to 10% position size do you do something similar with your picks are you adjusting or uh, kind of crafting a, a different strategy based on the type of stocks you're buying yeah, look I, I yes i'm now i i i mainly invest only in these smaller companies so but what i'm trying to do is okay define maybe the top you know, five to ten high conviction stocks that I might have for my portfolio, and I put most of my I'll put most of my money in those stocks. Around that, around that fringe, I'll you know make bets here and there that it maybe are swing trades or some you know shorter term plays around that, or some maybe maybe longer term plays that I think might be good. And as the stories progress, I just want to have it in my portfolio to watch it and be part of it just in case things do work out. And I have you know I had a model portfolio within Geo that we call our favorite por- favorite model portfolio, which kind of outlines some of the stocks that I feel the most confident about. Hey you, what's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. I'm guessing that's another train. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, yeah. Hold on, one second. hold on, hold on. Yeah. I, I thought it was coming. I had heard something, but no, it's okay. Yeah. So, so that's you know, I'm just trying. I as the market has become has changed over time, my mountain pine positions in my portfolio have decreased, and I'm putting more money into my higher conviction um, stocks that I like because. The environment's changed so much where it just I've noticed that it, it takes a lot longer than it used to sometimes uh, like before 2000 I mean, prior before 2008 for some of these stories to catalyze because the there's just less Meyer cap investors right now out there and there's other things going on in the environment that are making it tougher for microcap investors um to, or for investors to want to invest in these companies. So I need to really, really, really be confident and more than ever in some of the decisions I'm making because I have to hold these stocks longer term than I had in the past. And while I, when I'm doing that, of course, I gain more conviction and I'm willing to take bigger bets, And but I'm holding fewer stocks probably than I had in the past. I mean, there was a time before 2008 where I would have had anywhere from 50 to 300 stocks in my portfolio. Now it's, you know, much, much less than 50. So I can find a lot of good stories, but it's just a matter of, I'm just trying to um, stick with the higher conviction stories and more so than ever before. I guess it's kind of a, the philosophy. How's it go, Dave? The Buffett quote where he says something about like risk is not knowing what you're doing. Basically, sound, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We had so, a luxury, yeah. a luxury in the nine. You know, when I was investing in the late '80s and '90s and part of 2000s, where a lot of you know stuff that probably shouldn't have gone up, and there was a lot of 
just it was a good time to be investing. So your high conviction stuff went up and even some of the lower convictions things would go up. But the market's a lot different today. So can you give uh any other sort of observations on the differences? So obviously similarities of let's say micro cap stocks and like the regular type of stocks that investors kind of think about when you think about stocks. So, you know, like the AT&Ts of the world or Disney, we always like to talk about Disney, the Netflixes. You you mentioned that there's less and less, there's a trend of less investment, less people trying to be micro cap investors. And I'm assuming you're talking institutionally as well as individually. Um, are there other differences, major differences that you've observed between those stocks other than obviously stock makes a profit, stock price goes up. That's going to be the same anywhere you go. But when it comes to the differences between the micro cap space and kind of regular quote unquote stocks, uh, how would you define some of those if you've observed any? Look, I think that the there's a, f- a few things that have happened over the last several years that have basically made it tougher for these, some of these stocks to go up. So I'll give you a few examples of that. So before 2008, well, first of all, 2008 came along and just obliterated a lot of smaller investors. And these were invest retail investors that used to invest in smaller capitalized companies. So we lost a lot of them. Um, there's a, different regulatory environment going on these days where regulation is making it tougher for um, brokerage firms to uh, want to um, allow their customers to buy these stocks. Um, There's probably more regulation that is limiting the ability for institutions to buy these stocks. Um, these stocks, the Meyer caps are a lot less liquid than they were in the past, as far as I'm concerned. So there's a lot of things working against them. And then the big one here, though, is that the average time horizon uh, that a, for a retail investor to hold a stock has gone from six years to six months. So ironically, when 2008 came along, you would invest, you would think that investors want to not take more risk. But what we had happen here was investors don't want to be exposed to a lot of risk in terms of time. So what happens is they invest, they, a lot of investors are investing in speculative stuff like pump and dumps and, you know, biotechs and really avoiding some of the qual- more quality companies because they don't want to wait, they don't want to wait for these companies to, um, their 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 growth plans to play out or whatever the case might be. They just want to look at these really quick pump and dumps that they think are going to make the money really quick so they can get in and out of the market. And that's hurt the um a, a lot maybe the I think the quality sector, the quality pocket of the buyer cap area because you know they're not gonna pump they're not pumping dumps. So that's those are some kind of trends that have occurred over the years, I think that have hurt. And also one thing that has really been a big player, uh, played a big part in this um, scenario is the, the popularity of ETFs and index funds and passive investing. 
which is basically about over well over 90% of the trading volume anymore. So people, investors aren't just stock picking anymore. And if you're a stock picker, you're probably going to buy these layer cap companies. So we just, but a lot of investors, you who might've done that in the past, are just investing in index funds. Eventually the pendulum swings. Eventually when, you know, in the last, since the 2008 recession, when we came out of the recession, you could invest in index funds and ETFs and had a pretty good return with just, just investing in the market, basically, with, with market returns. There was really no, a, a less of a need to do be a stock picker. Now, we think it's going to get a little tougher, and these index funds maybe aren't going to perform to where um, investors are, are, are probably going to want to, they want to crave more returns. So hopefully stock picking comes back as an art, and um, we have buyer caps come back in the, um, you know, in the spotlight again, which I'm hoping will happen, but I'm, I'm just going to keep investing in them. But these are some of the trends that are going on right now. It's kind of the ultimate irony, isn't it? Um, all of the big movement towards efficient market, a, bi- a big reason why a lot of investors will go into index funds is because they believe the market's efficient, so you might as well just own the whole market. Yet the bigger and bigger the percentage of investors that are passively in these indexes, the less and less efficient the market actually becomes, which actually, like you mentioned, provides more opportunity for stock pickers like you or, you or I. Yeah, and exactly. And at some point, valuations just get to a degree where they can't be ignored. At some point, market returns aren't acceptable anymore. Uh, and those are some of the things. These, you know, so the, 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 I call either the, I mean, you want to call it value stocks. These, these, there's a lot of undervalued uh, smaller capitalized companies out there. And eventually they're just going to have to, eventually they will get the attention um, of more investors over time. And I don't know what that callous is going to be, but maybe it is hopefully one day that the, the, the market returns aren't good enough and they need to go find better returns and they can find them here. And when, if it does happen and when it does happen and this, you know, that it can happen quickly. So you, you kind of, I'm taking the position where I want to be in these stocks uh, when it does happen. Yeah. That's the thing with value, right? You don't know what the callus will be, but as long as you buy relatively low, eventually a stock should return to what it really should be valued at. And that's obviously yeah, great potential for some gains. As long as you've done your homework, you know, and I mean, like you can believe some of these stocks. Sometimes we come across they're selling at their cash per share, just sitting yeah. around waiting for a catalyst, and that's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. You would think that in a more in a quote unquote more efficient market, you'd have less opportunity. But like you, you made a good point that the the popularity of index funds, ETFs, have actually created, I, in my opinion, more inefficiency for these microcap um, stocks. Yeah, absolutely agree. I, I think it spreads through the whole market as a whole. Um, you mentioned you know, doing research. That's obviously huge. And at the very beginning of the show, you, you, t- you kind of briefly just said how you have a product related to the Form 4s, which we've been talking about in this episode. So I know, like I mentioned, Finviz has that feature, which, you know, it's, it's very bare bones and, and I'm I'm looking for an alternative to Finviz because I've recommended them many times in the past and in earlier episodes. 
they've gotten to the point now where it's a free tool and they've just gotten so annoying with the ads that I am actively looking for a new stock screen or website. So any listeners out there, if you have a free one that you know is good and it's better than Finviz, let me know because then I'll start promoting them instead of Finviz. The ads are just very, very annoying. But so Finviz has that option. I know Guru Focus has something which like they, they report on what the insiders are doing and then they're like, well, if you want more information, you gotta you gotta pay us more. So I can't really comment on really the 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 functionality or the ease of use of either of those tools. So talk about what your form four product does and how it helps investors, the ones that are looking to research in this way. Sure. So our our form product is going is uh, allows investors to a get a real time feed of the four and four transactions, but you know, it's still, it could be a lot of information coming through. So we give them a lot of, we give um, investors a lot of filters to be able to narrow down their focus from they can filter through, um, you know, d- direct purchases versus options filter through, you know, size of company, market cap, size of transaction, different codes. Um, you know, it can, we can get very, very granular, um, what the what the uh, 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 narrowing down what the investor is looking to um, uh, to get out of that in their filtering process. So that's really what we're really work, working on with the product is getting the filtering to a point where it can really save you time to to really get at what you're looking for. And as the product grows, we plan on having a lot of really cool data um, analysis going on where we can start really trying to rank insiders and how, and, and how, and if they're predictive in terms of where the stock's going to go based on how they're transacting in their stock and things like that. But the cool thing that we do here too, though, at geo is we don't just provide a tool without giving any kind of, a, you know, um, na- navigation of what we think's going on here. So for example, you know, if we see like a EVK situation and we have the tool, we're going to maybe talk about why that was important. So we, we're going to walk you through some of the mo- what we think the most important form fours are. So we're not, we're not just leaving our subscribers out to dry there on an island by themselves. Yeah. So I guess if we're not clear, you have a, uh, a newsletter service as well. You're, talking about some of your favorite ideas and how is that coming out like once a month? Well, actually the product is pretty intense and I, I like to say that it's, you know, it, you know, the retail investor really doesn't have access to great research unless you have a million bucks and you want to open up an account with Goldman Sachs or something like that. So, I mean, there's, Really, what we what we do is we try and give institutional grid research to the everyday investor, and that's really important. And we're very uh, we're we're always in constant communication with our members. So our product, our general product, starts with a morning email every morning, and in that premium email, uh, you're 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 getting calls to actions, which uh, which are um, maybe some information on stocks we're thinking about buying or closing out some of our positions you're getting information on our new re- our research pipeline well before we might even buy a stock to let you know what we're looking at 
you're getting a lot of earnings coverage in that morning email, like some of the what we thought were the best earnings reports in the morning uh, of the morning or the prior evening after the close. So yeah, and that's where everything starts with Geo is it's a morning newsletter. And then from there we have a premium portal where we have all of our articles, our research, calls to actions, everything archived. Uh, we have a position area where you can look at all of our positions that we, we, we maybe we're looking at or we, we currently own. Then we break out those positions into maybe different portfolios to make it easier for um, our members to decerf, uh, decipher. For example, we have a favorite portfolio, which I mentioned earlier. We have a contrarian portfolio, which is like a buy and pullback portfolio, which is maybe four to five, four or five stocks that have pulled back that we think should not have pulled back because maybe the market misunderstood something or there was just the market turbulence. We have a run to one model portfolio, which are stocks trading on uh, the, the quality, what we think are quality stocks under one that we think can run to one. We call it a run to one port model portfolio. We have a special situation portfolio, which is talking about, um, you know, companies that, are going through restructurings. So we, we really do our best to really take the information and categorize it to make it easier for our members to understand and make their own investment decisions based on the research we're providing and maybe on what we're doing. Yeah, sounds interesting. So I had uh, one of your tech guys, sales guys, um, reach out to me and he gave a special URL for this episode. So he said, if you go to geoinvesting.com, slash ifb dash top five you can get more information about uh what you guys do at geo what uh kind of what the features are and uh, i believe it's um your top five favorite stocks for 2019 get included for those people who go to to learn more and subscribe to your your uh geo premium so that's something that you guys are offering and that's pretty cool. Uh, I guess, again, the URL is geoinvesting.com slash IFB dash top five. So uh, thanks for, uh, for extending that out to the, to the audience there. Yeah. And it's a great way to get a look at for your, for your listeners to get a, a look at what we're doing so they can decide if it's something for them. That's, uh, that's, we, that's how we created the product. They created this offer for you, for your uh, listeners. Yeah, cool. Uh, I guess you know. Obviously, we're short on time, but we kind of alluded to the the top five favorite stocks for 2019. Um, we obviously don't have time to talk about all of them, and obviously, it's something that uh, you're saving for for premium subscribers. But do you have one that pops in mind where you can kind of talk about? maybe like a general theme or a, a big reason why you're getting really excited about this stock. Sure. Let me, so there's um, an, inter- an interesting company here. Um, I think, uh, let me see which one I'll give you here. Let's see. You don't have to give a ticker. I mean, it I mean can just, no, be I, a, just I the can, general idea. I can do it. So, yeah, so it's a CASM chasm and I own the stock. And of course, it's, again, it's not investment advice or, so your readers have to do do their own homework, but the, and we all, if they sign up to this special offer, they can read the report. So this is a medical device company led by a, I, I call it a top tier, um, top tier product with a first class CEO, and the CEO Thomas Patton has an incredible history 
of turning around or running medical device companies and getting them sold for premiums for their shareholders. So he basically, he has, he came into this company several years ago to turn it around. And the, um, the company is quickly taking market share away from its competitors. And we're basically, we think there's a good chance that over the next year and a half or so, the company becomes the acquisition target um, because it's, it's just, we believe it's the numbers, are, the data is showing that their product is well ahead of the competition. And they're just probably about to release some news here soon, hopefully regarding um, uh, inking a agreement with a, a, a partner who's going to help sell this product um, to expedite its popularity into the market. And basically they, they sell this special um, medical device to hospitals basically to help monitor the level of oxygen in the blood during surgery. Um, so it's, it is, there's, you know, so it's your basic razor, razor blade thing. So they sell this monitor, but they also have these sensors that are, you know, disposable sensors. So you have this recurring revenue theme going on with the company. And that's what we love. We love that's one of the things we love right now. We know when you have uncertain markets, finding companies where you have a recurring revenue stream, predictable revenue stream is something we really like a lot. And that's one of our top stocks in that portfolio. Does that happen to be one of those uh, where you see insider buying too, or is that a completely different idea? This one hasn't, but uh, there are some stocks in that portfolio that do have that theme, yes. The theme, that you know, I would say the themes are there's some insider buying themes. Recurring revenue is a big theme. We have a cybersecurity stock in this um, in, in this um, portfolio, which is about to hit, we think, a major inflection point and is significantly undervalued. Um, we have a company that's serving the um, modular um, modular server space, data center space, and a telecom company. So, yeah, I love uh, you. Got a little bit of everything in there, and you got um, tech. You got something in tech, cyber tech. That's cool. Obviously, recurring revenue. It's a fantastic opportunity. Just, I mean, from the sheer compounding, right? You, you get uh, a base of of customers and then if it's recurring now anyone that you add is adding to that base and i think you can you can multiply a lot quicker Maj, yes, uh, go ahead and it's just it's just i like the, i love predictability in uncertain markets so the more of that we have i think the, the, the more confident your portfolio can be awesome you can have your, more cost you can have your portfolio yeah yeah definitely well, it's been uh, great talking to you, Maj. Uh, really gave us some good insights on the Form 4 stuff and some of the stuff you're doing with the microcaps. Uh, really appreciate your time. And hopefully, hopefully, you know, combining this episode with the episode we had last week, people are able to maybe have a little bit of confidence to get in there, get into the SEC filings and have like a deeper understanding than just what's on the surface. You can go to any stock website and you can kind of pull up a ticker and, and see a bunch of numbers and not really know what any of that means. Um, but if you kind of have the courage to maybe learn a thing here or there and, and kind of build your knowledge base, you can really start to get 
a much better picture of what's going on with a business, how a business is performing and all of these different things rather than just, okay, I see a numbers and I see a chart and that's all I know. Yep. Actually, absolutely correct. And by the way, I've written two articles on the form four subject, so I can, that'll be, that'll definitely be available in this offer. And I can actually probably send those to you. If you so you can maybe share them with your readers if you want or and um listeners if you'd like to. So Yeah, Dave, I think we can get that on the show notes and it will be something yeah. really easy for people to, to yeah, that'd be awesome. read it too. Great, cool. man. Well yeah, that would thanks be awesome. a lot. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this again. So Yeah, thanks, Maj. Got anything yeah. to add, Dave? Yeah, thank you, Maj. No, we really appreciate it, Maj. It was awesome. I I learned a ton. That was great. <laughs> I enjoyed this. It was fun. Awesome. Well, thank you. You're welcome. All right, folks. Well, that is going to wrap up our conversation for this evening. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Maj. I know I certainly did. I learned a ton about the Form 4. Uh, that was very, very interesting. These things can definitely help you when you're using them with your investing. So a lot of information you can find out there. Again, continuing our conversation about financial statements and all the things you can learn about your companies. So without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety, and have a great week. We'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time. Have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus